The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Prepare us, O God, to hear your word through the scriptures of this day. Confront us with your claims on our lives. Clarify the choices we must make if our lives are to have meaning and purpose. Help us to respond to the one who came as the bread of life, so we may know life at its fullest and best. Amen. Today's lesson is from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands 
and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You never thought that was going to end, did you? I didn't either. Two weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. How has your life changed? Are you more alive now? What difference has the resurrection had upon your life? I'm going to sit here. I'm going to start with Chad. (laughs) We're going to go around. You think I'm kidding. I didn't write a sermon. I am kidding. It's just not a very good sermon. That's... What difference has the resurrection had in your life? Sometimes I wonder if we make such a big deal about the resurrection, the rolled away stone, the angels, the light. It's also, it's like a Beyonce concert. It's, it's, <laughs> it's spectacle, you know, it's life giving. It's so much that it's difficult to recognize resurrection in our own life. We look for and we expect resurrection to be equally as big a deal as Jesus' resurrection. I know I do. And maybe that's the problem. And now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that Jesus' resurrection is overhyped. I'm not. It's not overhyped. It's just right. What I'm saying is that maybe, maybe more often than not, resurrection happens in the small details of our life, in the mundane, in the ordinary. And we miss it because it's not what we expect. Yeah. I mean, take today's gospel, for instance. It was just 19 verses, but it felt like a book. (laughs) Jesus appears to his disciples for the third time. And it's set in the midst of, of everyday, ordinary circumstances. The disciples return to their first career, fishing, to old routines. And John provides a lot of small, endless, unnecessary, strange details. I mean, it's strange. I don't know why Peter was naked, and I, I don't know why he put his clothes on to jump in the lake. 
And didn't you find it strange that they name all the disciples except for the two? Which made me think of Quinn, because you wouldn't be named. But there's all those types of things happening. When the truth of the matter is, John could have written, while the disciples were fishing, they saw Jesus on the shore. This was his third appearance. Period. I mean, that's it. That is everything. But he didn't. Instead, he gave us endless strange details. Which leads me to believe that resurrection is in the details. Resurrection is in the ordinary, everyday, mundane details of our lives. As you think about today's text that Quinn read, where was moments of resurrection? I will help you. I think the first detail of resurrection is that resurrection does not happen apart from the routines of our everyday life. Resurrection is not about escaping life, but about becoming alive in the midst of our everyday lives. I think the second moment of resurrection deals with those empty nets. They fish all night in the darkness. They pull their nets up and they are empty. The darkness, the nets, it's just not about description. It's reflective of the disciples themselves. They're empty within. Their interior lives are darkened. And so when Jesus comes along and says, children, you have no fish, have you? No, we don't. Thanks, dude, for pointing it out. (laughs) But here's the moment of resurrection. Nets cannot be filled unless they are first emptied. In the same way, we can never be filled with God and Christ until we are first emptied ourselves. Until we come to recognize the limits of our own self Sufficiency. The moment of resurrection to hold on to is that emptiness is not the end. Failure is not the end. It is a beginning. And oftentimes in our lives, it is when we are in the midst of failure It's in the moments when we are most depleted in life that Jesus has a habit of showing up. Which, of course, leads me to wonder, how are your nets? Are they full or are they empty? Anyone come up with another moment of resurrection? Resurrection. 
You want me to keep going? Don't worry, Jenny, I'm coming back. I'm expecting big things from you, Jenny. The setting itself, it's daybreak. The sun is rising. Not just the sun in the sky, but the sun, S-O-N. See what I did there? The sun is rising. And it underscores God's promise that darkness does not win. Light always prevails. A fourth detail, which I'm not, I was going to talk about, but I don't think I will, is Peter in his nakedness. (laughs) I'm going to swing back and let Jenny talk on that one. (laughs) A fifth point of resurrection in the text. When Peter comes ashore, there's the charcoal fire. What does that remind you of? Almost. You're so close, Jenny. Peter also stood before a charcoal fire in the midst of Christ's passion. His final denial was spoken by a charcoal fire. And so here he comes out of the water, clothed, and there's a charcoal fire. The last time he stood before a charcoal fire, I imagine he was overwhelmed with a sense of guilt and regret, and even a sense of, of admonishment, failure. And you can't help but wonder if he stood there and thought, if only I had been more courageous, if only I had loved more, if only I had been more faithful. And I think each one of us in our lives have stood in front of whatever our charcoal fire is, and went through that litany of if-onlys. Here is the spot of resurrection in that moment. Jesus walks up to Peter. He interrupts whatever it is he's thinking through and says, come, have breakfast. It's so random. Come, have breakfast. And it underscores, regardless of what we have done in life or left undone, there is always a place at the table for us. God always calls us to come. What looked like an ending for Peter, but oftentimes I think looks like an ending for us, is always a new beginning. And then the final moment, the final moment I'm going to discuss, is breakfast, the most important meal of the day. Three times in the midst of breakfast, Jesus asked the question, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? The final time, I mean, Peter's exasperated. You know, of course, yes, I've told you, old man, I love you, leave me alone. And the truth is, Jesus knew that Peter loved him. 
But Peter needed to know that he loved him. Peter needed in that moment, point of resurrection, he needed to understand that he was not bound to or identified by his past. How many of us need to hear and understand and experience that again and again in our lifetime? Our future is not the summation of our past. Resurrection. I think. Jenny, did you come up with anything? No? You can send me an email. Okay. You reflect, discern, get back with me. Rarely will our individual stories of resurrection mirror the hype of the empty tomb. That the absence of hype, of spectacle, is no less life-changing or life-giving. Resurrection is in the details of our ordinary, mundane, extraordinary lives. It's true in today's gospel. It's true for us here and now. Look to the details. The dawning of a new day. The places where your life feels empty. The moments when, when an ending provides a threshold for a new beginning. I guarantee you there's resurrection happening there. Look to the details. Discover that you have a future. That your life has been guaranteed by God. Thanks be to God. Amen.